This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted. Intercepted. And it's in the ball. Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. They say it's the hardest week of the year to talk about sports. Literally <laughs> nothing going on. And it makes me laugh because it couldn't be further for the truth from us today. Well, yeah. No, for us particularly, it would appear if all things hold out and we're able to pull down the double guest podcast, which appears to be... Now, now, you know, we've said this before, you and I have both said this, when you have the, you know, the big name guests, things don't always go as planned. These guys are busy, things are going on, but uh, if both of these guests are able to make their appearance today with us, which they've indicated they can, right? it's going to be a freaking awesome podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have to hear me and Matt for most of it. You just pretty much get to hear the guests. The good stuff today. <laughs> the, the like, like stuff. I'll tease this right off the bat. Justin is a home run hitter today. He, he's two for two. <laughs> Kelly Graves, Ducks women's basketball coach. Mario Cristobal. Two, those are two big ones. I mean, I mean, what else could you want? I mean, I mean, Rob Mullins coming on. I mean, let's go for the trifecta, right? Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, Rob Mullins would be weird. Like, there's there's some things with Rob Mullins you couldn't ask him. Right. But. Right. You, you can ask a lot to Mario and Kelly, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, let's go there. What's the what's the one question, like the top question you want to ask Mario Cristobal? Um, top question? Really, for me, it's uh, – and he'll, he, obviously he'll get the question, but it'll be about the, the, uh, the new 2019 signees, the guys that are on campus, have showed up in the last month working out, um, you know, how they're looking, and, and – parlaying that I know this is kind of two-parter but you know how the team is looking that's just and I know he's not involved in the day-to-day but he's getting he's getting reports that's how this thing works so um that that for me is you know getting his take on how the team's looking and uh you know just kind of how things are coming along this summer sounds like you'll get a feel for some of your breakout guys hopefully yeah I mean if he mentions a few of the guys I have on the list I'm gonna feel much better about the list but (laughs) But uh, you know, haven't had him, haven't uh, haven't led him at all. Hopefully, you know it's it's a hundred percent coming from him and, and what he's heard or what he's seen, uh, uh, you know, from his fellow coaches. But again, this is kind of that final time for Mario Cristobal, his assistants, those guys to basically finish up their vacations. So and then kiss their wives goodbye for the next six months. <laughs> right, right. And we've talked about that a few times. Uh, for me, it, it gets to a question that you raised on Scoop Duck, and I, I thought this was so fascinating. I, I hit on this repeatedly on my show yesterday. Who is the most irreplaceable coach at Oregon? Yeah, it's tough. Right? And, and some fans said Kelly Graves. Sure. Some fans said Mario Cristobal. And I understand people on both sides. Mm-hmm. I, I picked Kelly, but I understand... Mario makes the money, yeah. and, and that money funds everything else. I want to turn that question around on Mario Cristobal oh. and ask him, just in the, fo- in the football program, 
who is the most irreplaceable coach? Gotcha. That's what you think. Okay. I don't know if he'll answer that. Yeah, I know. He probably won't. It's it's one of those coaches things. Yeah. He'll, he'll dodge. He'll say, oh, everybody is irreplaceable. Yeah. But I, I, I think that's just it's, – it's food for thought for Duck fan of do you – Take the head guy. Do you think Mario is the most irreplaceable of that crew? Do you take, say, Aaron Feld right. and and just go, well, it's the strength program because you're building strength, you're building football players, or do you take another direction? Yeah, and there were some votes in that thread about, about for Feld. You yeah. know, there were some folks that felt, you know, that was an irreplaceable coach, which is, I mean, I get it. I mean, some of these guys are – and, and everybody we've mentioned are really at the top of their game. I mean, they're at the top of their profession, whether it be a strength coach, whether you're head football coach, head women's basketball coach. I mean, these guys are are elite. And again, even had a vote for Arroyo in there. Arroyo, and uh, and coach, <laughs> I mean, coach Altman got several votes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really surprised that, uh, you know, there wasn't a little bit more love for the, the track and field, uh, the track and field team right. uh, there. But I get it. Um, okay, I shouldn't say I get it. I understand. We're talking about revenue. That's it's not no, too. Well, we we can talk about this too because have you ever had Robert Johnson on your site? I have not. Okay, so I've never interviewed uh, Robert Johnson, Duck Track Coach, on my radio show. Sure, but from what I've heard, and and I'm talking about interviews that he's done in the media. Um, smart guy. Yeah. Great coach. His athletes love him. Not real warm and fuzzy. Sure. Okay. Not not as charismatic right. as Mario or Kelly or Dana or some of these other guys. So I don't think, unless you're a diehard track fan and you, you give Coach Johnson the benefit of a doubt, I don't think a lot of people really know about him. Relatable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a that's a different skill than being, than coaching, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, you, the, the two are completely independent. You could be a fantastic coach, not very relatable, and it doesn't take anything away from your ability to coach totally you know that's probably falls in line there whereas you know coach Cristobal uh you know and even coach Altman might be a tad bit less relatable he's pretty good still but you know coach Cristobal coach Graves are are very relatable they're they're very easy to talk to very easy to interview and they definitely know their stuff I'm excited to talk to them yeah we should probably do that we we really need to yeah right now 11 o'clock so by Lombardi time we're already late we're ready hopefully Mario doesn't run Lombardi time (laughs) Back on Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi, and we're, we're stoked for this. Mario Cristobal, Oregon football head coach. It's always an honor to speak to you, Coach. Uh, right off the top, what I want to know, the last time we spoke to you was a day after National Signing Day, and a lot of coaches across the country were taking that day off and relaxing and kicking back, and you were calling into a podcast for an hour, regaling us uh, and 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 just telling us everything you knew about all these great Oregon men you were bringing into the program. You don't take days off, so I want to know what's your schedule like right now in the heart of the summer when other coaches are taking time and trying to unwind, get ready for the year. What's your day look like? <laughs> I think they all look the same. It's it's really Groundhog Day for us over here. At Oregon, well, at the same time, recognizing that this is the, the one time of year where you do have a chance to be a true father and husband, and um, and do just as good of a job with your own kids as you're doing with the players. So we really, you know, that's where you try to find a little bit of balance. But it doesn't it doesn't change your work day because you're still up at four. You're grinding out your recruiting responsibilities, your scheduling responsibilities, mapping out fall camp, 
Um, understanding that in those 29 practices, not only are you getting better as a team, but you're also preparing for a first opponent. You're doing work on maybe teams that have schematic or that present schematic issues to your, your particular schemes as well. Um, so it's it really is a, an endless just I would say attack on processes and and trying to find an edge in everything that we do. So it doesn't stop. And you know what? It's thank God it doesn't. I, I, we love it. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would. Uh, and I would open. I'm going to say this to you now, to your face, so that you don't you don't hear. Hey, Jay Hop said this about the podcast. You're a workaholic coach. I mean, I think you know it. I think everybody knows that and and respects you for it. Um, you know, one of the things I want to ask you about. We see it on Twitter. We see the guys up at, up at K1 or at Top Golf. It certainly seems like the culture has really shifted at Oregon, uh, and I know a lot of those things contribute to that. What are you kind of seeing out of this team as far as that is concerned? Well, I mean, culture is always going to trump everything, right? Um, it's going to trump scheme. It's going to trump, um, gosh, you name it, a particular player or whatnot. Um, and I think what you what you see happening is, you know, there, there is a senior class here that's seen a lot and been through a lot, and it just there was a natural connection upon arrival in 2017, one that has really been nurtured and fostered and has really grown stronger and has gained more respect, has, has really just galvanized itself through investing time with each other as players, as coaches, all of us, and, you know, really adopting the the standards and policies of discipline. I mean, it's so important to, to understand that, you know, to play free and fast and explosively, you've got to live a disciplined life. You've got to have a disciplined DNA about you so that when that ball's kicked off, you can go. And with that comes some, you know, <laughs> some policies and procedures that are going to wear on you a little bit. But if you can withstand it, you know, the, the prize at the end of the whole thing is, is really what you're looking for so i think a tremendous amount of credit to the players for being able to adopt this to adopt this blueprint that we all brought in together and implemented it's very demanding yet not demeaning it tests you it pushes you it challenges you and i have no idea if i'm answering your question or not but (laughs) i hope you get the gist of the fact that what we have brought in from the beginning is a mindset and you know what better way tested then 18 months in a, into this regimen into this era we get a a chance to play some of the top teams in the country on the road and and get the opportunity to do something that hasn't been done in a very long time and to have great success on the road so it's uh the plan is is really we're just marching on man we're just marching on and and certainly looking forward to getting these guys inside the building and shutting out the outside world in a couple weeks and starting fall camp uh, Coach, on the heels of that, I know that you in particular and we spend a lot of time talking about actual football, you know, plays, players, all these things that, that, that are, you know, what people like to focus on. But there is a completely other element that a lot of people don't focus on I want to ask you about, and that's the student part of the student athlete. Now, I know that uh, you could do the culture in place of football, but, it, you know, I'm hearing word out there that these guys have really bought in and academically, this team is as strong as it's ever been. How are you seeing things there as well, Coach? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that really has been a huge focal point. And, you know, the real world is what it is now. And the real world is those that are high achievers and do things the right way in every facet of their life. So we really, you know, clamp down the screws and on our academic 
side here in um, in the spring quarter and in the summer quarter, and it ended up um, giving us our best academic quarter that we've had. We we just we were scratching a three zero. We're at a two nine plus, and uh, we're trying to get to a three zero. We're going to get to a three zero, and to me, that's a ton of credit to the players, to the coaches, the academic center, the JQA, the, the academic advisors and specialists over there. It. Uh, there's a real high sense of urgency understanding that, look, you really can't separate being a student and being an athlete. You can't have low um, achievement standards for one and then a high achievement standard for the other. I mean, I mean, greatness and excellence is a way of life. It's a DNA. And that's what we're going to emphasize and bring to the table on a daily basis. So, it's uh, again, this, this type of garage, this, this infusion of just, hey, all out, all day, fourth and one, we're going for it. This this type of attitude is infectious, and it's really having a tremendous impact on our program. Coach, you mentioned the culture that your seniors have built, and, and I want to emphasize that because I, I think that they really – like moving boulders up mountains. I I think about three coaches in three years and and some of the drama and some of the controversy that they've had to overcome and persevere. And I think about you as a coach and, and the blueprint of the program you're trying to build. It was a difficult transition for your seniors. What was that transition like for you? Well, I, I can't thank the guys enough because you know, as, as hard and as intense as we came with this regimen, the structure, they could have easily said, hey, the heck with this, man. <laughs> this is not what we what we signed up for. But, you know, we made a promise and had an agreement from the beginning that we were going to bring them a true Power 5 um, experience, one that involves development, one that involves growth, uh, maximizing potential. And we did that, and we, we promised them that we would not let them down. We promised them hard work and an opportunity and that they would not be disappointed when it came to that. And also, really, we map out everything. We lay it out so they see not only what we're doing and how we're doing it, but we, we present a clear understanding of why we're doing it that way. And I think when guys understand that, when they understand why we're doing it, the reasons we're doing things for, that's when I think it's, people they, they start doing it because they understand it's for the best of them and the team and that their best interests are at the forefront of our decision so it's uh because of them they they just made the transition awesome i couldn't i couldn't ask for a smoother transition and one that you know what required some you know a little bit of headbutting every now and then and that's okay i mean without that it just doesn't work there's ha- there has to be a defining moment you know, on occasion that really, you know, pushes things forward. So these guys have been incredible. They're the driving force behind it. They came to Oregon when Oregon was was really on the national landscape as one of the best programs in the country, and they want to be the ones to bring it back. Uh, Coach, you've got uh, – I don't want to say you inherited, but you, you walked into a group of, of somewhat veteran offensive linemen that I know you've helped uh, continue to develop along the way. Uh, the same as a quarterback that, that you and Coach Arroyo have continued to develop. And then you have a, uh, on the uh, defensive side of the ball, you've got a, a linebacker that loves to hit and tackle everybody on the field in Troy Dye. How, my question to you, Coach, is, you know, how do you go about replacing these young men, uh, you know, when their time is done at Oregon, and how are you using that in terms of some of the recruiting approach that you're doing? Yeah, I think the best part about those guys is, the current guys that we have in the building get to watch these guys 
conduct themselves as professionals on a daily basis. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, like they, uh, a Justin Johnson gets to see a Shane Lemieux get there way early, take care of his body with treatment, uh, get extra time in, in the weight room, um, spend an extraordinary amount of extra time watching film and then practicing like just an uncaged animal, you know, and it sets a really high standard for what is to be. That to me is the best part about when you have guys that have gone through the program and are doing it at a certain level, a certain standard, and it just sets it sets the example. It's what it's the only thing that a Justin Johnson knows, what a Panay Sewell sees, what a Dawson Jaramillo gets to take in. I mean, they get to see guys do it at the highest level. So that being said, that's the positive, you know, and then the other positive is all of a sudden you've got four, what is it, six offensive linemen, right? Um, that are, are departing after this year. So opportunities all over the place. You have a guy, Troy Dye, who's, is, uh, you know, unless something crazy happens, he's going to break every tackling record in Oregon history. Um, that's setting a super high standard. That's going to need someone to fill those shoes in a year. And the list goes on and on and on. So when your seniors are your best players and your hardest workers, well, it sets a standard, and and I know as a player, I walked into that in college, and it changed my life. It was a difference maker because I, I just right away I was not only told I was forced <laughs> to understand this is the way it's done, and it's the only way it's done, and anything aside from this isn't good enough. So I think we're getting that that X factor out of these guys, and we're going to need that X factor because we're going to have to pack that in our suitcase along with our toughness and our courage and our perseverance to be able to get done what we need to get done this season. Uh, Coach, I know that uh, at this particular moment, there's not a a lot of involvement on your end with the team. In fact, it's minimal at best. Uh, But I know you continue to talk to the players. Um, You know, they call you and and things of that nature. Um, You know, fourth quarter programs, some of the workouts they're going through, some of the other things. What are maybe a few reports that have gotten back to you by way of of players, uh, you know, about what's going on, about the the growth they're seeing, the differences in the team. Um, you know, what are maybe a few things that have been relayed to you at this point? Oh, I think it's awesome when the older guys come up to and say, "Coach, man, this this class is dude, this this class is for real now. <laughs> these guys, these guys are explosive. They're fast. They're hard workers. Yes, sir. No, sir. Guys, you know, all the entire class is intact and is in, which is another thing that oftentimes gets overlooked in recruiting. You know, sometimes. I think you'll see teams will sign guys just to sign guys and high five on signing day, but then come August, they never make it, you know, to your building. And everybody's in the building. Everybody is absolutely grinding. And I mean, obviously, you know, we had 11 guys that were here early. So another 16 have now been part of, you know, the rest of the, you know, the incoming class that have shown up. And I've I've heard just incredible things about Trevor by uh, just having gained 30 pounds since we recruited him, and wow. you know, just extraordinary explosiveness um, as well as all the DBs, you know, uh, the newcomers Jamal Hill and DJ James have been outstanding, the the defensive linemen, you know, Keon and Brandon and Christian and Suave, I mean, you're looking at four big bodies that could flat out go, that could run, they're athletic and tough and physical 
and uh, they know I coach the offensive line, so we're, we're, I'm always getting after that. I, I really enjoyed recruiting them. Now I'm looking forward to blocking them every day, you know. So <laughs> um, it's really, really neat the level of just. And then you look at a guy like Mace Funa, who is. I mean, you're looking at at it's they're as good as as advertised in terms of what you know the reports and and what we've seen and the body types, just the 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 length, the size. The, the build, the girth of some of these guys. This this is a really uh, what we thought it would be. This is a a championship caliber class that has the opportunity to learn under some great seniors. And mind you, we trust me, we will hold them to the highest standards so that they understand exactly how it needs to look like. Uh, and I mean, I'm sure every Oregon fan's hearing you say that, Coach, and just probably starting to fist pump a little bit hearing you say that Those cheering are, yeah just going <laughs> nuts yeah I, I don't know where we got like 47 days left till till football but uh it's it's speaking of which speaking of football obviously a big first game opponent uh, in dallas a great marquee game um i'm sure as as coach you're trying to keep that uh you know kind of locked down as best you can but what's what's maybe some of the buzz been uh, like around that big game and just maybe even getting back towards season and more importantly, Coach, uh, is there? I know some folks have asked, is there a date uh, for when fall camp starts? I know that that's been uh, asked. I don't know if that's been determined. If you're still working on that, you know, I don't. I can't give you number dates. I could tell you the Friday. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of I live off of a grid, and uh, you know, just kind of hop from day to day. So I couldn't tell you the exact date. But we all have 29 days. Um, that's what every team. So 29 days out from game one, that's when we will be. Um, that's when we will be practicing. Okay, you know, but um, you know, we everyone recognizes. I, I think sometimes teams try to, I don't know, not cover, but just just try to put aside the importance, the magnitude of certain games and, and whatnot. No, this is a huge game. It is a, an unbelievable opponent, one that is just physically and, and, and coaching-wise gifted and one of the best teams in the country and a great opportunity, you know, to be on a national stage. So we fully recognize that and fully respect that opportunity that we have. But at the same time, we enter camp fully focused on, on Oregon. It's just that's what we, we do. That's what we will always do. And then as we get closer to that day, you know, probably 11 days out, then it will be full focus. I mean, completely zoned in on opponent number one. But there's plenty of time between now and then, and there's absolutely nothing um, that we will do on our opponent besides, you know, just the regular doing the, the fundamental and technical work we do every single day. We won't do anything with them specifically game plan-wise to a little bit into camp. Okay. That's good to know. I've got uh, – I believe I've got two more questions for you, Coach, and – before you get to fall gamp into that point, you've got one uh, rather large recruiting event coming up, uh, I believe July 27th. I don't know if time's been determined, but Saturday Night Live. And what uh, this is, I believe, the third year of this particular event. Uh, how, first off, you know, how important is that event towards, you know, overall recruiting efforts for you guys in the 2020 class and beyond? And, and secondly, how crucial is it, uh, you know, that you, that you can get as many fans out there as possible? Uh, you know, watching these guys work and see you guys interact with recruits. You know, how important is that to that event as well? Well, if if anyone wants to know the importance of our fan base, ask Kayvon Thibodeau about his experience, you know, last year when he came to a game here. And I think that'll sum it up for you. It's critical. 
you know, it really, really is. We have the blessing and the benefit of having, in my opinion, the best fan base in the country, and it shows. And, and when it shows, it's, again, it's unmatched, and it needs to be shown as often as possible. And, and I know the summer is busy. I know there's a stuff a lot of stuff going on, but we, we need we need our people showing up in droves and give give these guys uh, you know it's good for them to get a taste of you know what what Austin can be like you know it's a mini version not the full throttle thing <laughs> might be too much of the handle coming out of the tunnel but uh, you know we do get a chance to to practice on that new turf um, which we just installed which again there's only two teams in in the world that have it the New England Patriots and and the Oregon Ducks. It's a really, it's a, it's a special kind of artificial turf that has reduced injuries tenfold, um, and it was specially tailored for us and in, in our stadium. So there's a, there's so much that goes into this SNL, and it's so important. It's critical for the 2020s, the 21s, and 22s. That actually, there's a, you know, hopefully there's a bunch of guys that have returned that have been here already. Um, a tremendous opportunity to bond with the staff with some of the players that will still be here, some of them actually leave during that time. They have a little bit of a break. But every opportunity on campus for the University of Oregon, when I say it's huge, uh, that that's the understatement of the year. It is monumental. It is critical that we are always putting our best foot forward so people really see the difference of Oregon and the rest of the competition. This thing is, is it's, we're in a special place. We have special fans, we have special facilities, special people, and we need to show it to the max every opportunity we get. Well, and Ed, Coach, I know that uh, I know that recruiting is something you care, you know, deeply about. You spend a lot of time doing so. You know, obviously, those kind of events are, are a lot to put on, and and when you can have that sort of atmosphere, only helps you guys out. Uh, you know, doing what you guys do. Uh, before I let you go here, Coach, you're going to be followed up by a. Another equally impressive guest, as in uh, Coach Graves, Kelly Graves, is coming on after you. And oh man, five star Graves! I, I tell you what, <laughs> no, no doubt, huh? And we're we're very excited to have that both of you were able to take time out for us today. But uh, you know, Coach, I know you've been to some of the women's basketball games. You, you know, we could see you on Twitter supporting the team. Yeah. You know what do you, what do you think about Coach Graves as as we welcome him on as, as a coach and and as uh, you know basically somebody in the same profession as you. He's a complete stud, and I've learned a lot just from watching him coach his players and watching his team and watching his team battle through injury and watching the way that they practice and the way they conduct themselves, the way they they come through in big situations. I mean, the, the guy is exactly what you look for in a mentor, a coach, a father figure, a general. I mean, he's he's a real deal, man. He really is. He is. He is. A, we might have to have him as... I guess like pass rush coach on for certain games, man. Let them just unleash that aggressiveness and get you know get our guys with some juice. Go get make some plays, you know. Right. Yeah. Him and Sabrina out there firing up Kayvon and and all those guys. Well, I'm thinking Ruthie is your middle linebacker next oh, yeah. year. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. We certainly don't want to get on the court with them because that'd be a bad day for the football. Team, for sure. True story, coach. True story. Well, well, coach, we appreciate your time. I know your time is very valuable, and we want to send you off, but. Uh, uh, once again, hopefully folks can make it out to Saturday Night Live on uh, on July 27th in Austin Stadium. Uh, has, is there a time for that event yet, Coach, or still working on that? We're still working on that, um, but we'll get that information uh, to you as, as soon as possible. And, and I want to thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate you and the work that you do and the time that you invest. And uh, 
certainly we want to be able to do everything we can to continue to pump out all the info necessary for our fan base, our people, our community, our families to know exactly what's going on with the Ducks. And, and the one way to describe what's going on is just a relentless pursuit of uh, of getting, you know, of going for the utmost and most uh, coveted part of college football. So we're going after it, guys. Definitely. No, I, I know fans really appreciate the the transparency and the honest approach, Coach. I think it's it's really refreshing, and, it, and it's definitely endeared yourselves to many Oregon fans. But, uh, but again, we'll let you get back to work, and we'll have you go on again real soon, Coach. All right, brother. You guys take it easy, man. Thanks for having me. Will do. Thank you. So we just had Mario Cristobal. And I, I want to hit on something. This might be a little inside media here, but I feel like I can say this because I'm an outsider. I, I, I don't work for Scoop Duck, right. you know, and I don't have the the emotional tie-in that you have just building it. I can say this. I'm not biased. Duck fans, you got to appreciate what you have with that site and with Mario and with the way he views that site because – I can't think of another coach in the country that leans on media like Mario. Yeah, I, I I enjoy the fact that he embraces the media, not you know just Scoop Duck. He you know he comes on radio shows, he does podcasts, and he does, and he never seems like you know we're we're bothering him. No, like, you know, hey, like oh, I gotta hurry up, I gotta, you know, I mean, I told him about fifteen minutes for this podcast, and we're about twenty five minutes into that, but. Yeah. It was also great dialogue. It flowed. It was easy. It was just not, you know, I mean, it was just very natural and honest. And the thing is, he didn't want to puff himself up, right? right? These questions, we, we had a couple that we screened with him and said, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? That's just interview protocol. Sure. Everybody in the industry does it. The, the difference between Mario and everybody else is... Everybody else will refuse a question that doesn't make them look good. Sure. Everybody else will refuse the hard stuff or the, the, the sharp stuff because they don't want to be put on the spot. Mario's emphasis was, how can I inform the fans and, and how can I enlighten the fans yep. and get them on board with what we're doing? And I, I just think that it's so radical and so refreshing. Yeah. And that's something I've tried to do on Scoop Duck in, in what you're saying is it's about educating the fans. Right. Educating them about the processes and why things are, hey, why is Saturday Night Live important to, for fans to show up? Well, this yeah. is why. This is what, you know, this is why you should go. It's not just I'm telling you to go because I want you to. This is why. And, yeah. I, and I, I think those things are really important. You know, you know, obviously talking about Auburn. Hey, you know, look, that's five weeks out. We're not really prepping for that right now. Here's why. We've got to do the things that we've got to do first, and then we worry about Auburn. Or he's breaking down the offensive line depth. Right. Like, I can just picture five different people with bags over their heads and tinfoil hats freaking out about, are we going to recruit so-and-so? Are we right. going after so-and-so? And Cristobal is laying the blueprint right out for you. Yeah. One of the things that, and I know he didn't say it on this podcast, but I know one of the things that, that you know, he says around the program is trust the process. Trust the process. You know, this thing ain't built in a day. It's not built on one recruit. It's right. trust the process. It is a process, and a process isn't something that happens in a day. It's something that happens over time. Just like, for exa example, a 3.0 team GPA or a high 2.9 or whatever the case might be. That's not something that he walked in and said, "Hey, we're all going to get good grades now." Doesn't happen. No, that yeah. was a process. That I'm sure that's something that he that he put in right away when he got the job. But here we are, you know, uh, 18 months later ish, and it, you know, here there's the end result. It was a process, but mm -hmm. um, 
I don't want to keep him waiting. I'm excited for Coach Graves. Right. I mean, we're we're hitting home runs here today. Five star Graves. Five star Graves coming on. I, I, I we need to take that nickname. Like if I love if it. that is not on t-shirts and hats and twitter hashtags two weeks from now yeah something's wrong he needs to i mean coach graves gonna have to put that in his bio when we after he's done five star graves <laughs> bringing him on next coach graves the uh, the uh, women's basketball head coach of oregon kelly graves on scoop duck in hi-fi uh, coach I'm stoked, first and foremost. I, I've told Justin for over a year, of all the guests we could bring on, I really wanted to talk to Kelly Graves. So I'm, I'm really excited we get to do that today. My first question for you, and we're going to hit on a lot of stuff. Uh, i got to ask you about the recruits and got to ask you about the success you're having selling tickets and the success you're having off the court building your program. But I know you are in... Uh, one of the most unique situations at Oregon, and what I mean by that is when Willie Taggart was here coaching the football team a couple years ago, on Friday night, he got to see his son play high school ball. Uh, Mario Cristobal, he gets to watch his kids play football on Friday. He gets to spend time with his family. You'd be playing games on Friday at the same time that your kids were playing games at South Eugene. What was that like for you? Well, it's one of the, the negatives of, of being a coach. You know, you have to give up certain things, unfortunately. Uh, you know, I can't be two places at once, and they kind of make me be at my own game. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's one of the things that you just uh, you have to sacrifice, unfortunately. It's never that, that much fun. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited that actually my son, Will, is, is uh, walking on to the men's basketball team. Uh, you know, he's going to be playing for Dana. So wow. I will get to see him more often now, at least uh, maybe not all the games, but uh, certainly see him every day in practice. But, yeah, fellas, uh, you know, that's that's one of the tough things about coaching, uh, you know, sacrificing family time. It's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. Had to ask that right off the top. Um, we just got off with Mario Cristobal, and he tossed out a nickname that I really like. He called you Five Star Graves. <laughs> Do you hear that from the other coaches? <laughs> Well, hey, he should talk, right? My goodness <laughs> sake. You can't even count the number of stars they've recruited. Um, it's, uh, you know, but I think we both understand it's not necessarily how many stars somebody is is rated. Uh, you know, I, I think you, you got to make sure that you get the right player. Ruthie Hebert wasn't a five-star, I don't believe, and, and she's sure been pretty good for us. Uh, um, you know, and I can, the list could go on and on, but, uh, uh yeah, we've and credit my staff, man. They've really worked their butts off and have done a great job recruiting. And and like, you know, like I just said, not necessarily just the, the their rankings, but man, I think we're getting the right kind of players that fit how we play and and who we are. Their 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 great culture fits as well. Coach, uh, you know, we asked uh, Coach Cristobal about you uh, and and your relationship and and what he thought of what you're doing with the program. Uh, you know one of the things he said was complete stud and then he threw out the five star graves uh you know comment shortly after um definitely gushing about you and, and mentioning uh bringing you out there for the uh, for the football team and having you work on the pass rush and some other things but uh as far as your relationship with coach cristobal uh you know i know you've been around other coaches in the past but you know turn it around on you what do you think of coach cristobal and what he's doing with the football program i love the guy i love the guy i think he's the real thing what you see is what you get uh, I joke with him, you know, he talks about two things, you know, uh, football and family. 
and you can try to go down a different road, but he will pivot back to football and family. And um, you know, and I, I, I just, I just love that about him. I love the energy. He's never had a bad day, and uh, I love guys like that. And and I, and I think it's infectious, not only among his coaching staff, but among the players. I think you're going to see a team that is really together, and a team that's going to be fighting for each other. And you know, and that all comes from the head coach. Um, uh, I, I love that he supports the other programs, not just mine. I mean, you'll see him at, at a lot of our games. Uh, and, I, and I think his kids have really taken to, to my team. But, uh, you know, he supports the other sports, and he'll give them shout-outs on Twitter and things like that. And, it, and it's not fake. I mean, that's the one thing about uh, Mario. He, he is a genuine, genuine guy. So I, I appreciate him a lot. I'm glad he's here. Uh, man, I, I would love to have his future and our football team's future. I think uh, not, not before long we're going to be in a conversation for a national championship in football. Hey, you mentioned the fit of some of the players on your team, Coach. I, I really think about the grad transfers you've brought in this summer when I think about that fit. Walk me through their additions and the impact they can have on the Oregon program. Well, I think one thing people have to, to realize, it's, it's just because we've been there and we've, we've made strides and we've gotten to a Final Four and we have most of our players back, that we're going to now suddenly win a national championship. It's not easy. <laughs> you know, it is not easy. We, we lost two really important players. You know, Mike Cazorla certainly gave us, uh, I don't know, 140-some-odd starts and uh, just steady Eddie play for her four years. And Audie Gilden was as important a player as we've had. Yeah, right. Um, but when you talk about, you know, those two losses, but you, and you talked about the, the grad transfer, I think Mignon Moore, who's transferring up as a grad transfer from USC, I think is a perfect fit. You know, we're obviously going to miss Maite, but I think Mignon can step in and give us a lot of the same things Maite did. Certainly uh, a consistent presence at the point, uh, really good defense. Maite was our best perimeter defender. Uh, what Mignon will be able to give us maybe more ball pressure. Uh, she's uh, certainly much quicker than Maite, can get into the paint, maybe create a little bit more than Maite did. Um, and then, of course, Sedona Prince. She's not a grad transfer, but as a transfer from, from Texas, if she becomes eligible this year, and we're, we're certainly hoping that that is the case, you know, she gives us a presence in the middle like we've never seen. Right. Uh, great feel for the game. Great hand. She's 6'7", and guess what, guys? She's going to be 6'7 all game long. <laughs> um, you know, and, and is a really, really good athlete. So the addition of those two, I think, um, you know, are, are just huge in, in our program development. Yeah, emphasis on huge for Sedona. I think back to Elite Eight in Portland this year, Ducks and Mississippi State, and and Justin and I watching that game, we're gritting our teeth wondering, man, you know, we hope they can pull this out because your team had speed and you had flair and you were hitting just ballsy, big shots, but Mississippi State had size. And I, I just <laughs> mm-hmm. think now you add Sedona, if she can play this year, and you can beat anybody. Yeah, well, I think, you know, even if she does, and I, I certainly think we're capable of, uh, you know, of winning it all, quite frankly. You, know, you have to have good luck. We have to stay healthy. Yeah. We have to stay, stay humble and stay hungry. But, yeah, we, we've certainly got enough. I don't, I don't think there's a question about that. I think adding Sedona, however, gives us something that we just don't have. And, um, you know, still, she'll be a freshman. She hasn't played in a while, so... You know she'll she'll take some time to adjust, but uh, I think what you have there is a real special player. Ultimately, uh, coach. So 
you know, one thing that uh, can really show that the program is on the way up, uh, no question, are ticket sales. And, you know, we're seeing that number, you know, 10 times over what it was just three, four years ago. Uh, what does that kind of mean to you and the, and the program and the girls seeing that sort of exponential growth that you're currently seeing? Well, I think it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, um, you know, like I think one of you guys actually had tweeted out kind of the progression of our season tickets yesterday. And, um, yeah, it's just, um, it's almost like a frenzy as well. <laughs> people want to get their tickets before they're, they're gone because, and, and, you know, I, I told people two, three, four years ago, get your season tickets now, because I, I guarantee you there's going to be a come, uh, come a time when, when you're going to want them. And, uh, and so I gave people fair warning. Uh, now they're selling them up in the uh, two, th- 200 level is, I think, all they have left. Wow. But uh, That's incredible. You know, it, it puts us in the upper echelon of, of women's basketball fan bases. I, I think uh, what I appreciate the most about our fans is not that they uh, we have a lot of them, but I think they're really vocal. You come to one of our games and our people are engaged. Yeah. Um, and and it becomes a real home court advantage, which uh, you know is obviously tough for for anybody coming in here. But I, I just think uh, you know it validates everything that we're that we're doing. I think it validates the kind of players that we're recruiting. They're very personable. They're easy to cheer for. Uh, they play hard. They play for each other. We I think we play the right way. And and um, you know the fans are rewarding that by by showing up. You mentioned the the passion and the fan base and the growth there, Coach. I think about just the, the difference between what it is now and what it was, say, five, six, seven years ago. Um, you were successful at Gonzaga. Then you came to Oregon, and you had a project, and you've worked on this project. What was the moment for you that you knew, oh, we're going to be good. We're going to have a, a, a championship contender. You know, I think it was when we uh, – signing day – um, in 2000, and I guess that would be 15, 2015. I, I knew we had a special group. We turned all our attention when we had gotten here in April of 2014 into that 2016 recruiting class. That was Sabrina and Ruthie and, you know, then Mallory McGuire and, and some others. Uh, I think when we were able to, to work our magic and work really hard and, and make that happen, I thought, okay, um, th- this is a group that will define our, our program, and they certainly have. And then we've been able to just add to that each year with another tremendous class. Um, but I, I think that was it. I, I you know, because guys, it, it doesn't matter how good a coach you are or how bad a coach you are. If you don't have the players, guess what? You're going to get beat. <laughs> no doubt. This is the kind of league that, by goodness, you better have good players, and, and we do. And so I thought that was a real special moment. Uh, one that all were that that signing day is one that I'll remember forever because, like I said, that that did and has defined our program. Yeah, one of the things that I, that I've said quite a few times, and 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 mostly as it relates to football, is if is if you don't have the horses, you're not going to win the race. And I mean that's you know, with basketball, with anything, that's the that's the uh, equivalent there. Uh, Coach, reflecting on that signing day, you know Sabrina's kind of taken over and become this you know icon for women's basketball, really, if you will. And uh, did you know at the time when Sabrina was signing that, hey, this is going to be that caliber of player? Or was it, hey, she's got the potential or, you know, she's going to need some development in certain areas to get to that point? 
Well, with that great class we had, we knew we needed an alpha, and she was certainly that. I, I don't know if anybody could have anticipated she's done what she's done and really changed the landscape of college basketball, not, not just here at the University of Oregon, but in the Pac-12. Look at how the Pac-12 is viewed right now nationally. Yeah. And that's not always been the case. That's been fairly recent, and I think Sabrina's a big part of that. Um, you know, the other thing is she's put uh, women's basketball really on the forefront of basketball minds yep. across the country. She may be the, the face of college basketball this year, and not just women's basketball, but all of college basketball. I think you say Sabrina, and even men's fans know who you're talking about. NBA fans right. know who you're talking about. So that's what she has done, and I, I don't think anybody foresaw that. I, I think we all thought she was a special player and a special talent, but you know what she's done is really transcendent. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a great word to use, Kelly, transcend, because... I think about her comparisons, uh, players that I would fit her in, and, and I always assume NBA guys. Is there a comparison that you see in her? Uh, wow, that's a uh, – no, not really. I think that's <laughs> what makes her so unique. I mean, no one's done what she's done. And I'll give you an example. I coached Courtney Vandersloot at Gonzaga, who, by the way, played Maite today, this morning. Right. Uh, Chicago beat by one. I was actually in Chicago and saw her in person last week, went had dinner, and she's the only player in NCAA history, male or female, to get 2,000 points and 1,000 assists in a career. Now think about that. In the long history of men's college basketball, no one's ever done that. Well, Sabrina's on pace to be the second player for 2,000 assists, or 2,000 points, 1,000 assists, plus at 1,000 rebounds. Well, that's something that's never been done, ever. So, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about iconic status. And, and just the circle she runs in, you guys, it's crazy. I mean, she's hanging out with the, the Warriors in their locker room after <laughs> playoff games, and she's getting shout-outs from Dwayne Wade, LeBron James. We're down in L.A. for the Wooden Awards. It's on a Friday night. She wins the award at the post-game party. You know, there's Dr. J, Kareem, oh, Carl Lord. Malone, all these who's who. Wow. And I'm introducing myself as Sabrina's coach. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, and they know exactly who I'm talking about. And, and later that night on Friday night, she was supposed to, we were supposed to fly home Saturday morning. She gets a call from Kobe Bryant. And Kobe says, hey, you know, Sabrina, I know you're in town. I'm going to be in L.A. coaching my daughter's team tomorrow. I'd love for you to come out and spend the day with us and, and help me coach the team. Can you do that? And so she asked me, and I said, well, of course you do that. <laughs> I mean, you know, that just doesn't happen. No. Uh, and that's kind of who she is and what she's become. Yeah. And, and still is as humble as you'll find anybody and, and still continues to work her butt off. And uh, she, she's the whole package, no question. That, that, uh, yeah, those stories right there, Coach, that, I mean, that's something. I mean, when you think about, you know, you don't, you don't just think about, you know, women's basketball. You think about Oregon's women's basketball. You think, think about an individual player. That's just, I mean, that's iconic, like you said earlier. That's, uh, those are, are quite some stories. Love talking about Sabrina. Obviously a, a very special kind of player. But, but another player I'd like to shift towards who I have a lot of respect for personally is, is Ruthie Hebert. And yes. I love what she does in the paint. I think she plays way bigger than her size. Uh, personally, from what I've seen, I know you're, you're way more of an expert coach, but I mean, talk about Ruthie a little bit. She seems like she's just a, an absolute grinder and somebody that's probably outplayed, you know, maybe what folks thought she would be on signing day. Yeah, again, another player, I don't think people saw this coming. You know, she developed a lot quicker than everybody thought, uh, certainly that, that we thought. 
But yeah, she's the most humble superstar you're ever going to meet. She's got that great big smile. She's she's as genuine as, as they come. Um, you know, and she is really, I think people are going to surprise at the development of her game this next season. You know, we, we the one thing about our team is we led the nation in true shooting percentage uh, by a long way. We're the most efficient offense in the country. And one of the things that is our signature, we don't take bad shots. You know, Ruthie's capable of taking threes. Ruthie... Uh, you know, can make that mid-range jump shot, but we don't ask her to do that. You know, she's uh, kind of the hammer inside and, and such a great finisher. We've got a ton of snipers on the perimeter. But I think uh, I've asked her this year to, to be a lot more versatile uh, and certainly in looking for her shot a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, she's, uh, I think, has really come a long way defensively. Uh, she is one of the greatest finishers in the history of college basketball. Uh, you know, she was just not healthy. I, I sure wish she was fully healthy uh, at the end of last year to be on that big stage. I think she could have really, um, you know, shown everybody what she was capable of doing. But she was playing at 70, 80% with that bone bruise. Um, she's still, to this, to this day, rehabbing and working back towards 100%. So, but she still battled, man. You have to go back to back against Kalani Brown and. Kiara McCowan is is quite something, but uh, uh, she's uh, she means a lot to this program, and she'll forever be linked, I think, with uh, with success. And she's left a legacy here, you know that that will never be forgotten. And uh, and her link with Sabrina, you know, that could go down in NCAA history as one of the the most productive duos ever. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, it's almost John Stockton, Carl Malone, if you will. You know, it really is. Well, it's funny you say that. Carl Malone, when we were talking at the, you know, last spring in, in L.A., he said he'd seen us play five or six times. And uh, and he goes, uh, yeah, you guys remind me a lot of when uh, John and I used to play. And uh, so that's, uh, that's a pretty cool thing. That, that's a, a shout out uh, and that kind of, you know, compliment from Carl Malone. Yeah, some some uh, NBA Hall of Famers, right? That's that's about as good as it gets. Um, Coach, how have and we're going to get you wrapped up? I know you've got a busy schedule, so we don't want to keep. Oh you. yeah, no, I'm good, guys. You're good. Okay, yeah, no problem. We uh, we'd like to know next how you know a couple things on the recruiting front, if you will, and we've got to be careful what we ask, of course. But you sure. know, how have you been able to you know parlay what you've done here? into the recruiting success obviously winning and all those things are great and sabrina being sabrina and all those things but i know there are other element elements that you've had to pour into recruiting and what are some of those things that have helped you bring become five-star graves if you will well first of all i think we have a lot to sell here you know obviously you talked about the success i, I think we do it the right way i think if you watched us play uh, or anybody that watches us play you know, you, you, we, we play a fun style. It's wide open. Uh, like I said, we're the most efficient and the best offensive team in the country. People like that. They like to play in that kind of a style. Um, you know, we, we give our players freedom. It's not a real, uh, you know, we just aren't so structured that they can't grow as a player. Uh, I think we have a lot of WNBA people come and, and, and talk to us about our program and what we do. I think what we do translates to the next level. So we're preparing our players to be pros. So, you know, five-star players will want to come and play here. I think the University of Oregon is a special place. It's, a, you know, the, probably the hottest brand in college athletics. The Nike relationship that we have is, is unique. Uh, obviously, the apparel, the shoes, everything else that, that comes with it. You know, kids, kids like that. I think my staff works really hard. We're genuine people. We're not salesmen. You know, we go out, we tell it like it is. We don't overpromise. 
anything to, to players. I think we're really honest, and I think we have a good reputation on the recruiting trail, so we're able to get in on, on those kind of players. And, and let's face it, you know, once you get a couple special players that, that kind of commit to that, then others want to want to follow. And, and, and certainly Sabrina coming back really helped us because now we can – go into a home and say, you know, Sabrina would have been the first pick. She had a chance to go pro and be an iconic pro, but she chose to stay in college because she loves the experience. She loves the university. She loves her teammates. She loves her coaches and wants to, to, to stay in that for, you know, for another year. Well, that's powerful, you know, a uh, powerful message that you can send to recruits and, and their families when they're in, that, in their home. So I think, um, you know, we just kind of right now we're in a, we're riding the, the crest of a really nice wave, and uh, you know we want to keep it going, and I think we will. A couple analogies. We, we always love to take things back to football, and my mind immediately thinks all the football recruits we've talked to over the years that say they grew up Oregon fans because they saw the Ducks in a bowl game or they saw the Ducks on a nationally televised game. Or I think about the recruits that have told us, hey, I grew up a Ducks fan because of Marcus. Right. And and I mm-hmm. think about all the girls and young women that can say the same about your program, Kelly. They they've grown up now watching your team Elite Eight, Elite Eight, Final Four, and watch the, the best in the game, Sabrina Ionescu. Uh yeah, no no question. When I talk to some of the young recruits and I ask them, you know, who's who's their favorite player, Sabrina is is usually the answer. So um, you know, that again really helps. Uh, I remember when Courtney played for me at Gonzaga, I would ask the same thing, and she had gotten so much attention, was first-team All-American. We led the nation in scoring. We had a fun style then as well, and it was the same answer. I remember when I was recruiting Kelsey Plum, and she was one of the reasons why I came here to Oregon. You know, she had told me, she goes, Coach, I, I wanted to go to Gonzaga. You know, Courtney was her favorite player. They That was must-see must TV every time we were on, she said, but... Uh, she couldn't get over the fact that we weren't in the Pac-12. And uh, that kind of hurt because, you know, we recruited her hard and, and well, and, and in the end we, we lost her, I thought, to an inferior product. And uh, part of that was for the league. So, you know, Kelsey Plum, I coached her with the U19's USA team, and we had a chance to talk about that. And I, I remember telling her, you know, you were one of the reasons that, that I decided to come to Oregon. I wanted to be able to recruit the best and, and coach the best. Wow, that's that's a that's a very intriguing story. Very very intriguing. One of the things I'm going to sidebar. I'm going to go a little bit sideways here. I've heard you mention, uh, you know, your style of play, coach, a couple times now. And what I'd like to know, just maybe for the fans who don't know, how would you kind of explain your style of play of basketball? Just you know, to the to a, a fan that walks up and says, "Hey, coach, what you know, what kind of style of play?" I mean, I think we could see it on TV, but how would you kind of relay it in your own words? Well, we play, I think the, the way the game is supposed to be played, we share the basketball, we take care of the basketball, we, we spread the floor. You know, here's a, here's a funny thing, guys. We were third in the nation in scoring this past year, okay? And when I tell people that, they just assume, oh, you're a run-and-gun team. Guess what? We were 196th out of 350 in pace of play. <laughs> okay, we were in the lower half in pace of play. But our efficiency is off the chart. So we were 1.21 points per possession, by far the most efficient team in the country. Wow. Our turnover percentage, and by the way, you can tell I'm into analytics. I think that's really <laughs> important in our game. 
our turnover percentage was 12.5. Second place was 13.4. So we were a full percentage point better than second place. So we take care of the ball. We, we are, uh, you know, we're in high assists and, and, and low turnover. So it's fun basketball to watch. I think sometimes when you watch women's basketball, it's like, geez, too many turnovers, too many fouls. We were top ten in the nation in fewest fouls. I just think we play a clean game. And, uh, and our team shares it, there's no question, but pick and roll, we scored more baskets in the pick and roll than any team in college basketball this year, men's or women's. Oh, right. So it's our signature, it's what we do well, you know, I, I do clinics all over the country on, on pick and roll basketball, and, and not just to high school people, but to college and pro people. So, uh, you know, I think we, we're good at it, we've been doing it a long time. We were running in ball screen continuity back when Courtney Vandersloot was playing for me back in 2008 and 9, long before. Now, pick and roll has been around since Koozie, but, you know, <laughs> the, the continuity pick and roll hasn't been around that long, and, and we've been doing it now a good 10 years or so. One of the things, Coach, and I will be completely honest, my knowledge of the basketball calendar the yearly calendar is not as good as it is for football i've got a a very good inner working of football so i want to be smarter about it what are some of the things that you and the team are doing now between uh, you know when camp starts up what are some of the things that the girls are doing what are some of the things that you're doing in that period well i'm kind of unique um we don't require summer school of our players Uh, we have three some one month summer sessions here at, at u of o and uh most of our players take one or two of do one or two of those sessions because they want their scholarship check, <laughs> quite frankly. And then when they go home, it's just not the same once you've been on your own. And and those players we will work with. In fact, I had a great workout this morning with uh, uh, Lydia Chiomi and Ruthie Hebert. Um, so we can work out with our players during that time. But we have so many of our players are, are gone uh, and, and have and leave in the summer to play for their national team. So both Sabalis are playing in the, on different German national teams. You know, Maite went home every summer to play on her team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even our American kids are playing for USA basketball. So Sabrina and, and Ruthie are both here in town this first summer session, and they're training. But they'll be soon leaving for uh, Lima, Peru, and the Pan Am games. And then Sabrina has tournaments in Russia, Italy, France. She'll be with 3-on-3, USA 3-on-3 basketball the rest of the summer. Um, And so we've just kind of, the summer we kind of leave to them, quite frankly. Um, Most will be back for the third session because it gives them a chance to to get in shape and and things like that. So that's mid-August. Most of them will be back. Uh, And then we start school October 1st. But, you know, last year, you guys, our, our first practice was October 1st. Our last game was april 5th that's you know that's over six months that's a long season so i really love them to kind of take the summer and kind of re-energize they're all driven if they do go home they're not just eating cheetos and (laughs) drinking coke and all that kind of stuff they're staying in shape you know we're getting driven kids that want to be pros you know they, they they're shooting they're working out they're training with their private trainers but it's on their schedule and not necessarily ours and i think mentally that makes a big difference yeah so I, we're I, unique in that there are some coaches oh yeah we use all eight weeks that we're allowed by the nca and we're having practice four hours a week and on and guess what come march and april i see a burnt out team 
Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me, thinking about just the grind that these players are on. You, you point out one of the differences, Coach, between uh, your situation, women's basketball program at Oregon, versus some of the other sports and, and some of the other teams at Oregon. I think about how many of your players are committed to their countries this summer. What's that experience like? Do they end up bringing something back when they come back to Oregon? Oh, no question about it, you guys. No question. Number one, they, they're training, which is good. You know, you know, okay, they're home, but at least you know they're playing and training against really good competition. I think, secondly, playing for your country, there's nothing better. Like I said, I, I yeah. helped USA win two gold medals as a coach. And as a coach, it's super special. It's got to be even more so as a player. Thirdly, we are probably recruiting the best internationally of any team in the in the in the country, no question. And uh, and so, when you allow your players to go home and play in the summers, and not all universities do, that word gets back. That get that gets around. So as we recruit other players, we can say, "Hey, listen, if you need to go home, in fact, I'll tell you an example. Satu's going to have to miss a couple of our games in November to go back home and help Germany qualify for the World Championships. Wow. That's a big deal for Germany right now, and, wow. and we're going to allow that." So guess what? That helps us maybe recruit the next great player from Germany or, you know, from Belgium or wherever. Right. Because now we can honestly say, hey, your, your country comes first, and, and uh, certainly in the summer. We won't always allow them to leave during the season, but, but definitely in the summer. It's kind of like a reverse. Like I think of soccer uh, where – you have a, a player might play their club ball in England and they come back and they play for the U.S. Some English clubs make it a point when they recruit American guys, they'll say, hey, Americans have played here. We'll let you play here. We'll give you time off to play for the national team. And, and you've got that going on in Oregon. That's pretty cool. It is. And, and how cool is this? Uh, Mark is going over to the U19 World Championships and Niara will be on the German team. Jazz Shelley, one of our incoming freshmen, is going to be on the Australian team. Um, uh, you know, and then we're obviously recruiting some kids that are on the other teams. But that's a pretty cool deal. I remember a few years ago in the U17 Worlds, Maite played against Courtney, or not Courtney, uh, Sabrina in the, in the gold medal game. Right. But the Americans ended up winning by one. And uh, that was a pretty neat deal. So those two playing against each other. We're going to have to expand the nickname to Worldwide Five Star Grapes. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever, guys. Hey, we don't chase stars. I will tell no. you that. I don't care what a kid's rank. I truly don't. I've just never been about that. Courtney uh, Vandersloot was a so-called ranked 66th in the class. That was her highest, highest ranking among all of them. Well, she was, ended up being the third pick in the draft, and she just made another all-star game. Uh, so... You know, those numbers don't matter. You just got to make sure you're getting the right ones, the right fit for who you are. And when those kids ask me how much playing time I'm going to get or how many touches <laughs> am I going to get or how many minutes, uh, we move on. Right. Uh, those are just the kind of players that just won't make it here. We, we don't care about who or when. We just care about, you know, winning. No, and I I, uh, I really appreciate that, Coach, because uh, you, you you got to trust your evaluations. You've got to trust, you know, if you get into star chasing, that's when you get into trouble. And I, I think you see that across any sport, whether it's women's basketball, men's football, whatever. 
uh, star chasing can be dangerous. Uh, Coach, you have generously donated far more time than 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 I expected, and and we've loved every single minute of it. I've I've gotten goosebumps at times with you talking about the international basketball and letting your girls go back home. And uh, but anyways, I want to get you off the phone and get you back to uh, you know getting this championship team ready. Okay. <laughs> All right, fellas. I appreciate. It. Thanks for having me on. Thank yeah. you, Coach. Call anytime. Honor and a privilege, Kelly. Thanks again. All right, you guys. Take care. Thanks, Bye-bye. Coach. So I know what I have to do today. I got to listen back to these interviews, and I have two parts that I got to throw into a brand new intro for the pod. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. You got some good stuff yeah. there for the for the uh, for the podcast intro or the outro or any of it, all right. of it. And you do a great job of that, by the way. I want to make Thanks. sure everybody understands that that that's a hundred percent Matt and zero percent J Hop because I have nothing to do with that. Well, that's not true. That's not true because we talked about this on the on the board. I think it was a week ago. Somebody asked about the music, and I said, "Yeah, that was all Justin." Okay, so yeah, I, I music was my. So I it, hate country music. Right. I'm just throwing that out there. Right, and it's probably time to update it anyways. That was a great song at the time. Maybe we'll work. We'll work on that. Right, we'll work on not today, not today, but we'll yeah. work on that. We could get some fresh stuff in there. Yeah, the opening is great, but I, maybe the outro. I'll never say no to Metallica. No, no. I mean that's a timeless song right there. But I, I, back to the point. A hundred percent. I rarely go back and listen to our podcasts. I mean, because we record them, we're in here. You just, you hate it so much. You're like, I'm sick of this. No, I don't hate it. It's just like, (laughs) I just don't have time to sit there and listen to it for an hour, usually myself. But we've also done it. I have to go back and listen to this one. Yeah. Just because there was so much great stuff from both coaches. Like, they both brought it. I I said this earlier with Cristobal of just cherish what you have while you have him at Oregon. Mm -hmm. Fans... Understand that Kelly Graves just gave us a completely loose, energized, no holds barred, no questions off the limits kind of interview. Yeah. Uh, that that was unlike any guest we've had on the pod in the year that we've done this. Kelly was just really open with us and, and some of the stories talking about the Carl Malone story, oh, Julius Irving, Carl yeah. Malone, and, and all these guys in LA, and he's being humble, telling us that they don't know who he is. Right. He has to introduce himself right. as Sabrina's coach, right. and then they go, "Oh my God, I yeah. watch all your games." Yeah, <laughs> that that's an amazing story. No, that's a like you know, it's funny because uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of listeners that probably don't respect the Carl Malones, and or not not don't respect him, but just don't get the gravity of it. Yeah. You know, and we're sitting here having watched those guys play ball, and it's like mailman is a top twenty baller. Oh yeah, one of the best players ever. And here is like Sabrina, just like this superstar icon that you know Kobe Bryant's calling her. Hey, you want to come coach with me for right. the day? Like, I mean, seriously, they look up to her. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, and to think that I mean, you get all these parts, and Coach Graves is at the center of it. I mean, he's. He's the glue. He's he's the guy that's, you know, mentoring them, developing them, bringing it all together. And, you know, it's funny. Kim and I will sit at home and watch as many of the women's basketball games as we can. And, uh, you know, obviously living down here, we don't get to the games as we would like to. I would love to go to all the games. Um, usually Scoop Duck has coverage at every game. We did last year. Right. Uh, we should this year once again. Um, it's just not me personally. But, I mean, we sit there, Kim and I, and she she grew up playing basketball in high school, loves, loves the game. And just watching Oregon basketball, it's a thing of beauty. There are just some plays out there that – 
and coach said it the way they play fundamentally sound i think yeah. that's what stands out they they pass so well yeah. so effectively it's not just you know conversely like the nba it's not just two or three superstars making plays it's you know waiting them waiting to get the ball and making a play this is a team that functions really well together and plays good basketball yeah um and and i think that's the the difference you know in watching this team and not just of course you know when sabrina's on the court it's great to watch her do what she does it's, it's pretty special but really what makes it special is watching them and she's not selfish either she's a superstar and has no problem giving up the ball she has no problem playing off the ball i mean and that that says a lot right there that's something that we've talked about culture with coach cristobal that's a culture with coach graves and yeah. his team yeah I just I love that and that was amazing and I really implore anybody we we joke about this sometimes of we have people on the pod and we have people on your site that it's football 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 give me more football don't care about baseball don't care about softball don't care about anything else I just want football right and I respect those people but I implore those people today you got to listen to this Kelly Graves interview. Yeah, if you obviously you're not listening at this point, but if you listen to Coach Cristobal <laughs> and then cut it off and don't listen to Coach Graves, you've really done yourself a disservice. Yeah, I mean that it was it was two terrific interviews, two terrific men. I mean, not just coaches. I mean, they were both very truthful, and I think they respect that about each other. Yeah, you know they they, they peeled back the curtain. There's no you know smoke and mirrors. There's no hidden answers. There's you know there wasn't much coach speak today. There was a lot of pretty forthright answers. Speaking with coaches, though. Yeah, with coach. Yeah, yeah. with coaches. So it, I don't know. That was, I know you said it. That's probably the best podcast we've had, uh, just in terms of. I think so. Of 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 quantity and quality. I'm sure we're well over an hour as far as our our time goes. But when you have two guests like that and they're willing to talk, you roll with it. Signing day or the or the one we did after signing day was awesome. Yeah, this one is right up there to me. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, that's really all I have. I mean, I, I know you've got a dentist appointment to get to. For Taylor, yeah. But no, uh, I, I don't know what else there is to say. I mean, we could go back and go over what they said, but there's no need to do that. Just listen to it. They I, said it. I did have a couple questions. Oh, okay. Um, now that I'm thinking about it. Okay. Breakouts. Your, your breakout piece that you're doing. Yes, the breakout candidate. Well, let's talk about some of these guys. Okay. Jerron Waters. Yes. Love him. Receiver. Yeah. yeah I mean, just uh, there's some photos circulating. I know on social media of the of some of the reported speeds of players on the team. And Jerron Waters in his group was one of the top fastest guys. Um, he's a natural receiver. He's he's got length. He's six two, six three uh, in his 180s. You know, he's solid build. I just we know that receiver is a is a group that will need some help. You know, some of these young guys are going to have to step up. And that's not even to count Juwan Johnson. It's going to be some of the freshmen that need to, too. I, I, I just, every time I watch his film, I think, man, this guy's got it. And another guy. Now, the day we first talked about this kid, I thought it was a lie. I thought it was a joke. You don't make six, seven, three fifty linemen. Yeah. But Sala is a beast and yeah. I love that you put him on your breakout list. Absolutely. Um, you know, and what I did put on there, uh, first he's got size, of course he's been in, in junior college, so he's already a little bit more developed than a, a, a prep signee would be. Um, and with him, one of the things was he came into the program and it wasn't the job to get him bigger. It was the job 
to reshape his body. That's amazing. And that's what they've done. He's bought in. He's, he's all in. He's, he's a very hard worker. Um, uh, here's the thing with him. If he plays this year, it's, it's fine. It means there's probably a couple injuries ahead of him and he's getting, and he's needing to play and fill a role. If he doesn't play this year, it's even better because that means he's, he's, you know, been able to redshirt and he's going to come in the next year when Oregon really needs him and kick ass ready to go. Yeah. And that's the key. Uh, you know, any of the linemen that I may list on my top 15 uh, offensive linemen, that is it, it's going to be hard for them to get in that starting rotation. But if I list them, it means really big things for them next year, more than likely. Uh, another guy on the trenches, and you mentioned this last week. You were so stoked to write about him, Brandon Dorless. Yes, yeah. I just, I mean, uh, again, we see it with Jordan Scott. We have seen it with other guys in the past. If you're able to get some of those SEC body types with that huge athletic ability that you really just cannot find out west, even the highly ranked uh, defensive linemen out West usually aren't as athletic as those high three-star, four-star type guys that you can find. They're just a different breed. They just are. I don't, it's the water. It's the air. I don't know what it is. They're a different breed. And a guy like Brandon Dorless, uh, you know, I know I've heard at least from some sources, he's come in and put on great weight right away and just looks like the kid you thought you were getting. So again, that's nothing but a good thing. Not a guy I expect to crack the starting lineup or anything by any means, but again, next year when Oregon really needs him, I think he's going to be the, a dude. These are all guys that you're writing about. You've got a, a theme piece or series of pieces on breakout players for the Ducks. That's at scoopduck.com. Uh, one last breakout guy you've written about so far, mm -hmm. and then we'll wrap up the pod What's the ceiling for Drew Mathis? You know, linebacker is a little bit of a different situation. You have some starters, some returners. Uh, you know, we just take out, we take Troy Dye out of it. He's as long as he's healthy, he's where he's going to be. But you've still got other spots to fill. Uh, whether Oregon goes to a three-four or a four-three, they're probably going to do both. So we can assume that really you're going to need at least four linebackers, and more than likely you're going to need five or six when it's all said and done. Mm -hmm there's room there. I mean, I know there's some guys ahead of him, but he's a, he's again, a junior college guy. I've heard he's incredibly driven, uh, has come in and almost been somewhat of a leader in that locker room to a degree, you know, as much as you can be for a young guy, an incomer, an incoming guy. And, um, you know, I, I think if his opportunity is there to learn alongside Troy Dye and continue to work with him, I think I, I just don't think he's a guy that redshirts. Do I think he's a guy that starts and, you know, leads the team in tackles? Probably not, but I have a feeling he doesn't redshirt, and I have a feeling he contributes a lot to this team this year and next year steps right into a role. Okay. Again, that's my favorite read on Scoop Duck this week, Justin's breakdown of all the breakout guys for Oregon. That series continues. His top 15 breakout players. Check it out, scoopduck.com. That's the pod. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Literally, if if it offers podcasts, you can probably find us there. Yeah. If you can't find us, that means you're trying not to at this point. Don't do that. Not <laughs> yeah. this week. For the love of God, Mario Cristobal, top of the show. Kelly Gray. Yeah. 
This is incredible. This is one you share, guys. This is one you put on Facebook. This is one you put on Twitter, whatever. This is one that you tell your friends, hey, you got to listen to this because this, I mean, it, it's a good one. And yeah. I'm just not just saying it because it's my podcast. I sat here and literally enjoyed myself listening to both those coaches today. When you told me that you, you've, you've hinted at Coach Graves for a couple weeks. You said, hey, Kelly wants to do this. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of finding time. When you told me that we had Kelly, I was not surprised that much. When you told me that Mario wanted to come on, I knew. Yeah. It's go time. It's go. Yeah. It's serious yeah. this week. Both of them on the same podcast. I mean, so yeah. Just lobbing up home runs here, apparently. Home runs. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to take vacation for two weeks. I'm yes. going to kick back in Portland. I don't know what I'm going to do. So, like, I know we got some Scoop Duck fans. We got some people up there. Um, QB11, right? Mm-hmm. He's up there. He's talked before about just, just getting together for a beer, having a good time. Yep. So we might still do something. It just might not be this right. next week. We'll right. keep you in the loop. Yeah, well, Matt and I are going to work on that, but it, it could be a couple weeks of, of, of different podcasts or, or whatever. We're not really sure yet, but uh, um, anyways, if, if you don't get anything for a couple weeks, at least we're sending you out with a bang on this one. Yeah. Yeah, listen to this a couple times over. (laughs) All right, uh, Justin's got a dentist appointment, and I'm going to grab some lunch. I can do this now.